Welcome to the Football Bloody Hell podcast, a retro football podcast full of nostalgia, memories and recollections of when football was just a little bit better. This podcast is sponsored by the Football Bloody Hell shop, the perfect place to get iconic retro posters of all your favorite football legends. Head over to the Football Bloody Hell shop to find your perfect poster. In this podcast, we tell you the story of when Tahiti qualified for the Confederations Cup in 2013. We hope you enjoy this podcast and please do share it with all your retro football loving friends. If you like it, please do leave a review so we can climb the league table. It helps more people like you find us. Tahiti at the 2013 Confederations Cup. When goldfish swam amongst sharks. Tahiti is about as far flung as it gets geographically. Part of French Polynesia, the island lies roughly midway between Australia's eastern seaboard and the coast of Peru, with the U.S. state of Hawaii 4,400 to the north as the crow flies. Its landmass is a mere 403 square miles, about two-thirds of what would be classified as Greater London. Its population is roughly 190,000, slightly less than that of Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Like many countries in Oceania, its national sport is rugby union. However, for a few days in the summer of 2013, the island's football team proudly put this nation on the global map of the biggest sport in the world. In June of that year, Brazil was gearing up for hosting the World Cup by welcoming seven other countries for the Confederations Cup, which was often perceived as a trial run 12 months out from the showpiece tournament. The roll call of participants was glittering, along with the host nation, the most successful in World Cup history, there were reigning world champions Spain, South American kingpins Uruguay and the always box office Italy, along with regular World Cup participants Mexico, Nigeria and Japan. Among these heavy hitters, one name stood out a country mile, Tahiti. Somewhat surprisingly, this wasn't the island nation's first foray into the finals of a FIFA tournament. That came four years earlier when their youngsters participated in the Under-20 World Cup in Egypt. Inevitably billed as outsiders, Tahiti predictably found the going tough against Spain and Venezuela in particular, both of whom thumped eight goals past them without reply as future Newcastle and Everton striker Salomon Rondon filled his boots with a hat-trick. The Islanders' tournament concluded with a 5-0 drubbing by Nigeria, making it 21 goals conceded in three matches without managing one of their own. When Australia switched from the Oceania Confederation to its Asian equivalent in the mid-2000s, they left behind a slightly more balanced field, albeit with New Zealand as by far the strongest nation. Indeed, Oceanian football somewhat rode the crest of a wave at the turn of the decade, for in 2010 the All-Whites were the only unbeaten team at the World Cup, despite exiting at the group stage after three draws. Tahiti's ticket to Brazil In June 2012, New Zealand were overwhelming favourites at the OFC Nations Cup in the Solomon Islands, although it was Tahiti who served notice that they were not to be taken lightly in the tournament's opening match. They stuck 10 goals past rank outsiders Samoa, with 9 of those being scored by players named Tihau. More on that later, New Caledonia gave them a far tougher test next time out, with Tahiti shading a 7-goal thriller, and a 4-1 thrashing of Vanuatu preserved their 100% record ahead of the semi-finals. They got the better of the host nation by the odd goal at that juncture, but their path to potential glory suddenly opened in a big way later that day when New Zealand was shocked 2-0 by New Caledonia. 
There was no seven-goal rollercoaster between the teams this time around, but again the winning margin was as slender as can be, with a tenth-minute Stevie Chong Hugh goal enough to make Tahiti the first team other than Australia or New Zealand to win the OFC Nations Cup. With that, their ticket to Brazil a year later was secured. The aforementioned composition of teams at the 2013 Confederations Cup ensured a glitzy gathering of footballers whose names were ubiquitous across the globe. Maymar, Andrea Pirlo, Mario Balotelli, Giorgio Chiellini, Javier Hernande, Luis Suarez, Edinson Cavani, Sergio Ramos, Fernando Torres, David Villa, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, David Silva and Diego Forlorn would all be present and correct at the tournament in Brazil. It was amongst this star-studded field of sharks that the relative goldfish of Tahiti would take their rightful place. Eddie Etaita had the honor of being the coach of this history-making team of amateur footballers, the first and only Confederations Cup participants never to play in a senior World Cup. Their best-known player was 33-year-old Marama Brirua, who had played, and scored, in the UEFA Champions League for Nantes in the 2001-02 season and won League One with Les Canaris. As referenced earlier, the surname Tihau was prevalent among the squad, accounting for 17.4% of the 23-man roster. Two of those were twins, midfielder Alban and attacker Lorenzo, both 24, whose older brother Jonathan, 25, lined up in defense. The apparent nepotism wasn't done there, the trio's cousin Tianui, a vowel enthusiast's dream, was one of the standout young players, leading the line at just 20 years of age. The familial makeup of Tahiti's national team made it appear more like a village lineup in county league level. The worry for Tahiti was that some felt they may play like a village team. In the same year that they became champions of Oceania, they partook in a tournament called the Coupe de l'Outre-Mer, a biennial competition involving French overseas territories. In the 2012 edition, Tahiti lost to Mayotte, a team not even affiliated with FIFA. It didn't bode particularly well in that context that Etaita's motley crew of office workers, laborers, teachers and sales representatives would face the likes of Spain, who in the previous five years had won two European Championships and the World Cup. Tahiti's 2013 Confederations Cup run before taking on La Roja, though, Tahiti would get their tournament underway against Nigeria, whose participation at the finals owed to CAF switching the Africa Cup of Nations to odd-numbered years in the preceding 12 months. Had that not happened, Zambia would have been the Islanders' opponents in Belo Horizonte. Mikhail Roche, the full-time educator and part-time goalkeeper who would have the thankless task of facing some of the world's deadliest strikers, admitted that the task ahead would be really, 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 really hard, but was insistent that he and his teammates would enjoy their time in Brazil. Etaita was striking a less cheerful note, fearing that his players would not give a very good image of Tahitian football. Nigeria's own preparation for the Confederations Cup was far from ideal, arriving in Brazil just two days beforehand after missing a scheduled flight due to a dispute over bonus payments. That didn't stop them from surging into a 3-0 lead inside half an hour, though, while only a succession of misses kept the half-time score respectable. Nine minutes after the interval, Tahiti won a rare corner. F.A. Ambrose, the Celtic defender who hadn't always been the most convincing of centre-backs in Glasgow, was beaten in the air by Jonathan Tihau, who guided the ball with his head into the Nigerian net. Tahiti's players celebrated without restraint, even treating the 20,000 spectators, many of whom shared their delight, to an indigenous boat paddling routine. The goalscorer put through his own net soon afterwards to restore the three-goal gap, while Nigeria added a couple more late on to record a 6-1 victory. 
Etaita admitted afterwards that he was nearly in tears when his team scored, it was an occasion so special for Tahiti that the country's president suspended a cabinet meeting which would have clashed with the game. Three days later, they took on Spain, against whom scoring even one goal, irrespective of how many conceded, would surely prompt scenes of delirium. On the night of the match, which took place at the iconic Maracana Stadium, this writer attended a pub quiz where one of the team names carried a blunt prediction, 10-0 to Sparan. A rout seemed imminent when Torres broke the deadlock inside five minutes, but Tahiti reached the half-hour mark still only one goal down. Alas, Vicente del Bosque's European champions tacked on three more prior to half-time, pushing the lead out to 7-0 just after the hour mark. It was a tad harsh on the Oceanian minnows that, with only a minute remaining, Silva found the net to consign him to a double-digit defeat. The pub quiz name proved prophetic. Usually when a team ships a 10-goal defeat, it is a mark of utter humiliation. However, the special circumstances of this particular mismatch were universally acknowledged. Etaita bemoaned his team's naivety for some of the goals, but expressed his gratitude for how much they had won the hearts of the Brazilian public. They had also won huge respect from the European conquerors. Del Bosque praised Tahiti's fair play and their commitment to attack, when many other teams of such inferior quality could well have been tempted to man the defensive barricades for 90 minutes. Torres, who consoled Roche at the final whistle, admired how the islanders played with fun and at love of football. Villa was appreciative of how Tahiti never resorted to rough-house tactics, another time-honored staple of vastly inferior opposition in such mismatches. Just as in the 2009 Under-20 World Cup, Tahiti had conceded 16 goals in their first two games, so they may have had the target of keeping Uruguay to five, therefore matching the tally from that underage tournament four years prior. Tahiti's historic week ended with a visit to Recife to face the Copa America holders, who led 4-0 at half-time, mainly thanks to a hat-trick from future Hull City striker Abel Hernandez. Chong Hu had one chance against the run of play at 3-0 but could only find the side netting. The early second-half exchanges yielded a moment to remember for debutante goalkeeper Gilbert Merriel, who saved a penalty from Andres Scotti. The Uruguayan was later sent off, and so was Tahiti's Tahibari Ludivian, who left the pitch in tears following his indiscretion. The final score was 8-0, with the final two goals scored by substitute Suarez. The then-Liverpool striker's reputation in Europe was in tatters, having been suspended at club level for biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic two months earlier, and his two goals against the Oceanian underdogs wouldn't have aided his global popularity, either. Tahiti's Legacy Tahiti ended their stay at the 2013 Confederations Cup with three defeats out of three, one goal scored and 24 conceded, the worst record of any team at any FIFA tournament in history. However, the numbers certainly do not tell the whole story in this context. As if Etaita and his players weren't popular enough with the Brazilian public, and indeed the watching world, the Tahitian squad made a habit of individually greeting every single journalist they came across in press conferences during their stay at the tournament. Some Tahiti players embraced Forlorn at the Uruguay match and even asked to get their photo taken with the former Manchester United striker. The respect that the Islanders were shown by those in attendance at the Confederations Cup was reciprocated, with Chong Hu expressing a heartfelt thanks to the paying public upon Tahiti's departure from the tournament. The defense of their Oceanian title three years later ended in the group stage of the 2016 Nations Cup, although their early elimination was a tad unfortunate as they won one match and drew the other two, paying the price for a mere 4-0 win over whipping boys Samoa as they exited on goal difference. 
their attempt at qualifying for the World Cup in Qatar later this year was brief and unflattering, two of their matches were cancelled due to coronavirus outbreaks among their opponents, while the two they did get to play ended in defeat. In February, they lost an unofficial friendly to French fifth-tier club UA Cognac. Two of the four Tehaus from the 2013 Confederations Cup, Alban and Tianui, are still playing with Tahiti, the latter is now the national team's captain. They will forever be regarded with hero worship status by their younger teammates for how commendably they represented their country on the world stage in Brazil nine years ago. Thank you for listening to our Football Bloody Hell podcast on Tahiti's 2013 Confederations Cup campaign. Please share this podcast with your fellow football-loving friends and family and don't forget to check out our shop where you can buy amazing, iconic framed artwork and high-quality t-shirts. Right now we have free shipping on all artwork orders. Simply head to footballbh.shop. That's footballbh.shop. Also, don't forget to check out all the written content on the site over at footballbh.net. Today's podcast was written by Liam Toher and narrated by Roger Tubble. We will be back soon with another short podcast for you to enjoy.